today we're going to be looking at the, at the overflow of motherhood. We're not necessarily going to be looking at a mom. We're going to be looking at the product of what a mom did. We're going to be looking at a son. His name is Timothy. Timothy was, I totally connect with him. He's like, he seems in the scriptures like an introvert. I'm an introvert. I know some of you, that's a surprise. Um, but I really am. I'm like an off-the-charts introvert. I can be in my room reading for days and be very happy about that. Um, and so Timothy is a guy that God's hand was upon. And he was called to do great things for God. But the reason that he got there, and the reason that, like, how great, how awesome is it that his, like, how wonderful would it be for your name to be in the Bible? Amen. Right? Like, wouldn't that be the coolest thing? Well, Timothy's name's in the Bible as a person who was faithful to God's call. But it didn't start with a bunch of pastors laying their hands on him. And it didn't start in a, uh, a leadership meeting. It started at his mother's arms. And so we're going to be speaking about this. Now, before we go on, I want to talk about sort of the sensitive part about Mother's Day. So before we get into the text, I want you to give me, could you give me just like five minutes? Ladies, look at me. Not all of you here are moms. In fact, Mother's Day brings up a level of pain and severity. You might only be listening to this message by accident. By accident on the podcast or on the internet. Because when Mother's Day comes up, it reminds you of loss. Perhaps some of you have lost your mother and you don't get to celebrate with her. And maybe some of you have longed to be a mom but weren't able to conceive and have your own children. Maybe some of you are here and you have scars that are identified with your mother, like your mom was nothing like the video that we just saw. And you have pains and wounds and hurts to deal with that. And so what we thought we would do is we were going to take three minutes and I have, I, I have a woman who uh, hasn't had any children um, to come up and read uh, this, this, I don't know if you would call it a poem or a letter, but this note from the entire congregation to those of you who really struggle with Mother's Day for various different reasons. Maybe your child is wayward, maybe it's for various different reasons, but we want you to know you are not alone. And that on this day, we know it can be painful, but this is not one place we want to make it painful. So we're going to be talking about mothers um, for the rest of this service, but we wanted to take a pause uh, in this moment to uh, just share in your pain uh, for those of you who are going through difficulty during this Mother's Day. And uh, with that, we ask Louisa to read. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear badges of food stains, we appreciate you. 
to those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or runaways, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. And forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to take to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you on our minds. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children and mourn that life has not turned out the way you've longed for it to be. To those who are step-parents, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be yet, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nest in the upcoming year, we grieve with you and we rejoice with you. <laughs> to those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Well Thank you. We're so grateful for all the women that are here, and we're grateful for the, um, the impact that you've had on so many lives. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the text. We're going to ask God to help us. Would you walk with me through this text? Is that okay? Let's do it. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful that you even call yourself Father, knowing uh, the love of a parent. Lord, and we know that in several areas of Scripture, you're reminding us that your love is like that of a mother. It's unrelenting. It's never stopping. It's always present, always pursuing never giving up kind of love. So we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that by your spirit you touch every heart here. Whether we are or are not mothers. That you minister to the souls. That you speak to our lives, and that with your word we're able to walk in your truth. We thank you, oh God, for this opportunity, this, this commercial break to be able to speak about mothers. 
And we ask, Lord, for grace in speaking of it and in receiving it. Thank you, O God, for we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you the the big idea of today's message. Today, what I want you to know, whether you are a grandmother or a mother, or maybe you're, you're a stepmom or a mother-in-law uh, or whatever category you fall into in the, you know, maybe you're, you're like someone that Louisa talked about, uh, a spiritual mom. Whatever category you are, you're never, you're never the closest thing to a perfect mother than when you look like the father. Listen to what I'm telling you. You are never more a mother than when you look like the father. As Christians, we believe that there's a father in heaven whose love is perfect and eternal, who corrects and rebukes, who trains and exhorts, who leads and guides, who loves well men's hearts and sometimes disciplines. You are never, never more a perfect mother than when you look like the father in heaven. We're going to look at a result of one mom's effort with a lot of toil in it. We're going to look at her results, and we're going to try to give honor to the moms in our midst. Uh, We're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. Today is going to be a sort of a more abbreviated uh, sermon. We want you to be able to Spend it with your families, but we want the word of God to get deeply into your heart. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, we have a habit, a tradition to stand um, when we read the scriptures. We'll all read it together. It's two verses. And so, for those of you who don't have your Bibles, when I first came to church, I didn't have my Bible. We've put the words up on the screen. Uh, We also have it in your bulletins, the scriptures. And you can make notes, if you like, uh, if there's anything that's profitable to you. Uh, We'll read on the count of three. One, two, three. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, through faith in Christ Jesus. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So what's happening here is that the Apostle Paul, a man who was confronted by Jesus, hated Christians. This is such a cool letter. The reason that this is such a cool letter is because the guy who wrote it was an enemy of Christianity. Hated Christians, wanted nothing to do with Christians. In fact, he went out not only speaking badly about Christians, He went out to persecute him. He did one better. And so he hated Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. He was a total um, anti-Christ guy. And 
as he was persecuting them, Jesus miraculously confronted him and he was transformed on the spot. I mean, just an utter transformation. Well, he then starts planting churches, learning about Christ, growing in Christ, um, and investing in other pastors, mentoring them. And so this letter is in a group of letters, a group of three letters we call the pastorals. Someone say the pastorals. pastorals. Right, and the reason that they're called that is because they're a pastor's letter to pastors. And so Timothy gets two letters, Titus gets one letter, that's why this is 2 Timothy, it's the second letter to Timothy. And uh, the purpose of the letter, of course, is to instruct, exhort, encourage pastors to stick with it, to stay on the course, to not lose heart. It's a great letter. Well, in this aspect, or this part of the letter, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy to stay the course, to keep going, to not lose heart. And here's what he says to Timothy. He says, but as for you, speaking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it. Stop. This is powerful. Paul is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep going. I don't want you to quit. In the face of adversity, I want you to pursue forward, not turning your back on God's call in your life. Timothy, you're a child, not only of God, but I want you, and the basis by which, he says, I want you to stick with it is not because you'll honor God. I mean, that's going to come up. I mean, it's there in the letter. Not because, just because, well, this is important. You know, people are depending on you. No. What he says is powerful. He says, I want you to continue in what you've learned and what you've become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Because of the character and the integrity of those who have taught you. Because of what they've invested in you. Because you know them. Man, this has such profound application. Timothy, his mother's name was Lois. His grandmother's name was Eunice. And they raised Timothy to be a God-fearer. And when they learned about Christ, they raised him in Christ. And they taught him. And they didn't get any support from dad on this one. They were alone in their trying to raise uh, Timothy in a godly way. We know this because when uh, it's described, Timothy's family is described earlier uh, in the text uh, or in the, in the New Testament. His mother is called, you know, it's Lois and Eunice, your grandmother, who raised you up in the things of God. But when it talks about his father, it says, oh, and, you know, who, whose father was a Greek, meaning that he was just, he was not a person who was in the faith. He was outside the faith. He had Greek philosophies. He had Greek ideas. He had Greek thoughts. He had a Greek worldview. That's the way he saw the world. 
Timothy didn't get that benefit, but benefited greatly from a mother who was godly and who raised him in Christ. Paul's foundation for encouragement was moms. Moms and grandmoms. Listen to me, moms. Listen to me, grandmoms. Your role in your child's life cannot be overstated. It cannot be exaggerated. The role that you play in your children's life will have an effect on them like no other. Forever. Now I know for many people in the room that hits us in multiple ways. But I'm just focusing right now on moms. Now, some of you moms, you're older. In fact, you don't even, you know, you're not just moms, you're grandmothers. Listen, you still have a work to do. You're always going to be investing in your children. You're always going to be investing in their well-being. But more than anything else, I want you to keep in mind that the gospel needs to be heard by your children through you. You go, it's too late. They've moved out of the house. Or it's too late. I lived most of my life in active addiction. I was a drunkard. I was a, a, a drug addict. I was too obsessed with work. I was whatever it is. It's never too late. If there's breath in your life, it's never too late to invest in your children. I want you to go forward, Paul says to Timothy, because you know those who have taught you. Not just those in the church, but those who have invested from you in you from birth. And here's how we know he's talking about his mother and his grandmother. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. In other words, when Timothy learned about the things of God, he took it in with mother's milk. It was not something that was added on. It was a part of their lives. It was something that was a blessing to them. Moms, you have, you, you've ever heard this? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. You ever heard that? Yeah. You have an amazing amount of influence. You go, but you don't understand, Pastor. I've blown it. I haven't done well. I, in fact, I just blew it yesterday. I, I have not been the mother that I thought I could be. There's hope in the gospel. There's hope. No stage of your children's life is there no hope. In every stage, there is hope. You go, but my children, they're addicted. Listen, there's still hope. I remember the story that uh, Pastor Raymond shares about his mother, who did not necessarily follow the gospel, her life. And yet when her son was addicted, she prayed. And God heard those prayers. And God, in his infinite mercy, saved Pastor Raymond. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
So in this Mother's Day, uh, on this Mother's Day, rather, we want to encourage you moms in whatever stage of life you find yourself in, with whatever children experience you find yourself in, we encourage you. We encourage you to invest in your children, to pray, to seek God for them, to glorify God in your instruction. We don't just want you to be moms who happen to be uh, Christians. And what I mean by that is that you're a mother and so you make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or you drive your kid to the school or you take them on the train to wherever they're going. We're not just talking about that. What we're talking about is the way that you instruct your kids would reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a thing that goes on, and this happens in every area of life, but it's, it's most dangerous when it happens in parenting, specifically now that we're talking about parenting with a specific focus on mothers, that there's a divorce from your gospel walk in Christ and your investment in your children. This is huge. There, there can't be a divorce. There shouldn't be a divorce. And if there is a divorce, here's what I mean by a divorce. So you know, moms, that in the Bible, let's give an example, that in the Bible it says, hey, sex is for married people only. Now, I know this sounds so archaic and so silly, and coming from a pastor, you're like, wow, that's so stupid. Why would you even say that? I get it, I get it, I know. When I, when I was in Christ, I believed the same thing. But I tell you, okay, let me, just, let me just hit the doubters a couple of things. If you've ever found a jealous person, what you found is a promiscuous person. I've yet to find a non-promiscuous jealous person. You know, I'm talking about like, you know, like a, people who are like, yo, you're like 20 minutes late. Where were you? Who, what were you doing? Da, da, da. Let me tell you something. That's born out of a person who's been with several people and doesn't trust anyone. Also, I would say, and again, we're talking about sex is for married people only for a second. And it's only for a second because it's a Mother's Day message. <laughs> so don't get too uh, intense. Okay, so... If we just obeyed that one directive in the Bible, if we just obeyed that one directive, think of this. If I could, with the snap of my fingers, say, uh, have the wish come true that there is no sex before marriage, that everybody who has sex will have sex within the context of marriage, one man, one woman, united in Christ. Let's say I could, I could make that dream come true right now. In one generation, we would, give, we would get rid of every single sexually transmitted disease. Every one. Like all the people who die from the virus, all the people who have to live with the indignity of other sexually transmitted diseases, in one generation, that would be no longer. All of the little children who have to grow up with their mother or their father not tucking them in at night because of a sexual infidelity would be gone. If people took it seriously that sex is for married people only. The tears that children have cried because of divorce, 50% of that would be gone instantly. Listen to me. I know we live in a society that says that you, you know, well, you got to try, blah, blah. 
and all the stuff that it says about sex, and it's not that big a deal, and we're adults, and we're consenting, and all that other stuff. I'm telling you that God has this in his word for your good. For your good. I've met, in Recovery House of Worship, I've met hundreds of people who regret past sexual escapades. I haven't met one person who got married as a virgin and said, this is terrible. I haven't met, uh, this is like, you know, this is the worst thing that I haven't met that person, not in recovery house worship, certainly not anywhere else. Why am I saying that? Because our Christianity has to invade every area of life. It's not a part of who we are. It is who we are. And so when I'm talking to my children, if I'm a mom, when I'm talking to my children about sex, I need to be able to come up to them and say, you are beyond precious. And God thinks that you're so precious, you should not be handled by many women or should not be handled by many men. He has a person specifically designed for you. And so let's, let's you and I agree. Let's, and you go, oh, but that's ridiculous. That's Because, okay, so why is what I'm saying so ridiculous? Like if we were in a school right now, the objections, the only reason you're not objecting to me right now is because we're in a church setting, right? There's a bunch of objections that are in your mind right now. Is that true? Yeah, a few of you. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. No, it's cool. Listen, let's, let's argue for a second then. Let's argue for a second. If in fact, it, listen, if you were God, what would you tell your daughter? If you were God and you had all the wisdom in the world, and you know that premarital sex brings all this destruction, like heartache. Think of all the people who have committed suicide because they fell in love with somebody after having sex with them and all that other stuff. It's just amazing. If you were God, and you knew that sex was as powerful as it is, and what is sex? We called, people think that sex is physical. It's not. It's spiritual superglue. It is. It is. Listen, for the most promiscuous among us, had 20 people, 30 people, 40 people that you've been connected with. You don't remember number 26. You don't remember number 16. Was his name Jose? Was it Joseph? Was it Louis? What was his name? You don't remember. But I tell you, you remember the genes that the first person you were with was wearing that day. You remember their first name and their last name. Of course, uh, giving room for those who were abused sexually and, and wounded. And for those of you, my goodness, there's a, there's a deep wound there. But if you loved you like God loves you and knows that sex has this power, this unbelievable power to influence your health, your life, your relationships, if you knew sex was this powerful and you were God and you loved you like God loves you, what would you say in God's word? Be safe. Would you say that? Would you say, put on a condom? Wait till you're in love. Would you tell a 15-year-old kid, wait till you're in love? Good night. 
Has anybody been 15 and in love with lunatics? Yeah, yeah, right, it's crazy. Here's what we're saying. If you were God and you knew what God knew, what would you say? You would say, don't, don't do it. Wait, but watch, here's what we're saying. We're saying, moms, we can't be, we can't be people who are so indoctrinated by the world system that our motherhood looks just like other moms who are far from God. That can't be our story. We can't be that, in other words, Christianity has to pervade every area of our life. This is what Paul is talking about. He's saying, and how from infancy you have known the scriptures. Now think about this. Paul uses the plural term for the scriptures. So he's talking certainly about the Old Testament. There's no question that he's talking about the Old Testament. But could it be that he's also talking about the New Testament scriptures that have not, as of his right, he's writing the scriptures. So he's not, he's not necessarily going, uh, he's not necessarily saying, oh, you know, the New Testament, the one that's bound in your 21st century Bibles. He's not saying that. He's saying that there are scriptures that have pointed to Christ in the Old Testament, and you've heard them, received them, assimilated them from your mother and your grandmother. And in every circumstance in life, when it comes to dating, when it comes to sex, when it comes to thinking about college, when it comes to thinking about a career, when it comes to uh, friendships and the people that you have around you, when it comes to how you dress and how you handle yourself, when it comes to how you uh, present yourself to others, when it comes to every single area of life, thinking philosophically, thinking uh, about global matters, when it comes to issues of justice, when it comes to issues of what, among the entire spectrum, whatever it comes to, he received the scriptures. Moms, this is your work. And no one can do it better than you. No one can. And so I know, you're here and you're going, I didn't do that. I've got grown kids and quite frankly, I let, I let curse words slip out of my mouth. I lost my temper. I did all this other stuff. This is the point. <laughs> if you were an imperfect mom, I have really good news for you. Jesus only comes to save imperfect moms. He only comes to do work for imperfect moms. You go, if today, you go, oh man, I wasn't the kind of mom. I didn't walk my kids in the Gospels. I didn't train them up in the spirit of Jesus Christ. I didn't do any of that stuff. I had different opinions and I haven't done that. Do I have good news for you? The good news is, is that Christ came from heaven to earth to die for all of your bad mothering that you feel guilty about. And we all do, don't we? Don't we have things that we feel guilty about? There's some of the strongest guilt that we feel is the guilt that we feel about raising our children, right? Not being there for them, doing something sinful, whatever it was. Jesus has come for imperfect moms. You get to, in your imperfection, preach the gospel to your children. So next time you come up to your children and you say, but children, I want you to go in the ways of the Lord. I want you to receive the gospel. And they go, really? You? 
Why didn't you say that after all those years you were using? Why didn't you say that after all those years you messed up? Why didn't you say that when you were in jail? Why didn't you say that when you were jumping from bed to bed? Now you're going to talk to me about sex? Now you're going to talk to me about doing what's right? Now you get all religious and you get all holy uh, on me and all that other stuff? You go, listen to me. You, you receive, you go, it's true. Not only what you said is true, I got other secrets that you have no idea about. It's worse. It's worse. But I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come for perfect moms. He came for moms who were broken and dysfunctional, moms who were in prison and addicted. He came for moms who had gone the wrong way, who did not raise their children as they ought. He came for those moms to say that there is hope in Christ. Not hope in raising your children perfectly, not hope in raising your children right, but hope in Christ. And so when we see our children going in the wayward path, we can say, God, I might have contributed to that. Would you remind me of how much you've contributed to saving me so I can be encouraged that you'll do the same work in their life? That where I came up short, that where I blew it, that where I made the mistake, that where I led and I didn't instruct my children well, would you remind me that you've given me a word and so that you can give them a word to instruct and lead, that where I fell short, you hung on the cross to die for our sins, including mom sins. So moms, I have great news for you. You are perfect, perfect in Christ, saved by the blood of the Lamb, forgiven by Jesus himself, and you have, so when your children come up to you and say, you stink, you didn't, you hadn't, you wish you had. Now watch this. You can say, yes, but God saved me, transformed me, and I give you what he has now given to me. Can we take it one more step further? You all got moms. You all got moms. And maybe you're not a mom. Maybe you're like me. You're a guy, and you're thinking about your mom. And maybe you have some negative ideas and thoughts about your mom. Would you be reminded that all the bitterness and all the punishment that you want your mom to receive, Jesus says, that's absolutely true. They abandoned you. They hurt you. They deserve, you know what? They do, what do they deserve? They deserve pain and suffering. Matter of fact, they might deserve the death penalty for all the terrible things that they've done to you. And Jesus goes, I'll pay. Now, if your moms have never received Christ, they haven't received that gift, it's a good idea to say, Mom, thank you. I know you did the best you could. I love you. And if you can think of one good thing they did, like giving you birth, right? right? At least there was that, right? They gave you life. They could have aborted you, they didn't. Listen. You can then, with the gospel, go to your mother in a reverse way. Now you're not the mom, now you're the child. And you can say, Mom, I know you didn't. I know you did the best you could. And I want you to know, I love you. And you could say it with integrity, I love you. Yeah, but she, you should have seen what she did. And oh my goodness. I know, the, I know the crowd I'm speaking to, okay? We have some horror stories from being right, right from being raised up. Listen. You can say, I know you did the best you could and you didn't know Christ and all that, but I want you to know, 
that the gospel has entered my heart. And just like Jesus forgave me, I overflow that forgiveness to you. Because Jesus not only offers and not only paid for my sin, but he actually offers to pay for yours. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news to the mother. The gospel is good news to the child. Receiving the gospel, letting that gospel influence you will make this the greatest Mother's Day you ever had. And your mother could be gone. What about your mom who's dead? What about your mom who doesn't have, uh, who's far from God? You have the opportunity to pray for. Well, if she's dead, you have the opportunity to thank God and say, God, you know what? Nothing happens without you knowing it. My mom was not an accident to me. I mean, I would have liked to have had Joan Cleaver, and I would have liked to have had, like, Miss Brady, and I would have liked to have had, like, all right, Miss Huxtable. I would have liked to have had, I would have, I would have wanted to have these people. I know. But that wasn't it. And even what Satan meant for evil in terms of the pain and the suffering and the difficulty, you've used it for good because you've used that pain and that suffering to open up my need for the gospel. And so in turn, it became a great gift of life. Not only did she give me life, even if she was the worst mom you could possibly think of, she gave you a hunger for life that is eternal in Christ. So, I want you to know that if you're a mom, you have an opportunity to raise people. People who can know the gospel, rejoice in Christ, and walk in the spirit of life. And if you're not a mom, and you have tough issues, you have mom issues, you can allow the gospel to be reminded about how much you've been forgiven, and then to overflow into your mothers to forgive them. I'm telling you, there's life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even, even when you're spiritually dead, even if your mom is spiritually dead, moms, even if your children are spiritually dead, there is life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of a news article that was, uh, came out, I think it was this year. I want to say it was this year. Her name was Kate Ogg. Kate Ogg was delivering twins. She was delivering them prematurely. As she was delivering these twins prematurely, uh, one of them didn't make it, Jamie. He died in the birth process. The mom was, of course, heartbroken as I cannot imagine. I have no idea what that's like. Many of you do know what that's like. She asked the doctors for the baby. She wanted to say goodbye to the baby. She puts Kate, she puts the baby on her chest. And she just starts speaking to the baby and loving the baby. She does this for two hours. Then she hears a gasp. Not kidding, I'm not making this up. She hears a gasp. She cries out to the doctors. She says, the babies, they come in. They, they, the baby is alive today. Here's a picture of them. I'm not kidding. That's Kate Ogg and her baby Jamie. Now listen to me. Why did I tell you that story? 
because in the gospel there's life. And if you would bring your spiritually dead children to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you might experience death for a long period of time. It might be silly, two hours holding a dead baby. Oh, my. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. Two years praying for a child. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. 20 years with a wayward child. Oh, no, no, you don't get it. There's life in the gospel. And if I would bring the gospel to my children, I might be able to see life. Happy Mother's Day, Recovery House of Worship. There is life in the gospel. Congratulations to your moms. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Father, we know that as we, well, yeah, as we are here in this room listening to this message, this Mother's Day message hits us on so many different levels. We thank you, oh God, for the opportunity to reflect on motherhood, to honor the mothers that are here. Lord, of course, we, we empathize empathize and weep with those mothers who are here who are experiencing great pain or even people here who are just remembering their mothers that are not here anymore. And so, Lord, there's such diversity in this room, Lord. Would you, by the power of your Spirit, illuminate us to what you want us to carry from this message? Would you remind us, Lord, remind the mothers in this room that they're, more, they're never more like the perfect mom than when they're acting like the Father in heaven. Would you remind them, O oh God, that in your word is perfection? Would you remind them, Lord, that your gospel touches every area of their lives, including their mothering? So, Father, would you open our eyes? Would you give us forgiveness for those who look to their mom with great bitterness. Would you give us wisdom to know what to do with this message? And would you help us to walk in the light of your truth? For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen.